three, two. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode 133 of the Legion of Myth live stream. This is for the 14th of October, 2017, or whenever you feel like watching it or listening to it. You have options. We're not going to stop you. We couldn't if we tried. I am Alex Garth on Marsh, and with me, as always, is Brett Heathen Dog Grissomar. Hello, everyone. Uh, we definitely hope we find you well. Indeed. And I say it with me as always is Brett Heathen Dog Grissomar, but it's been as always for one year now. That's right, almost exactly one year, and because of that, we have we have some something special today. Well, I was going to put together a retrospective of Heathen Dog's greatest moments, but there was only like two. So, well, uh, being generous. <laughs> <laughs> you're so mean <laughs> well your greatest moments are usually like no no you're an idiot Garthon no you are so wrong Rah! then I cry well, I a hate this game <laughs> I, I hate this that would have been beautiful just showing you giving up on uh, darkest dungeon on yeah. darkest dungeon and... <laughs> just rage quitting rage quit. just repeat that for like five minutes uh, <laughs> anyway thank you everyone for joining us and definitely check out that that YouTube video of Heathen Dog playing Darkest Dungeon, you can watch hope taken from someone and just watch the light glint dim in their eyes. Just snatched away. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, okay. Uh, so today, uh, due to Heathen Dog's anniversary, well, first he's going to go over in Heathen Dog, Heathen Dogma anime on the stream, um, right. ID Zero, and then a special anniversary review. Something That's right. You could explain. You could explain. Yeah. Uh, what what I decided to do uh, for the anniversary was uh, I was going to look back at some of the anime I've done a while ago that because of our old format, I wasn't able to do it any justice. Now, I want to do one that I really liked and I want to do one that really could, you know, get some clips and some extra explanation in there that will really, really make it shine. I had, it was a toss up between three, but I finally narrowed it down to one. I hope you appreciate it. Excellent. I'm excited about that. Uh, and on Garthon's comic poll, we're going to go over Uncanny Avengers number 28, The Amazing Spider-Man number 12. Uh, Oops. No, it's 12. supposed to be The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number 12. And yep. uh, then Batman White Knight number 1. I blame myself for that slide. Nope, it was me. That was me. I should have double-checked it. You should have double-checked it, but it was me. I looked. It says Spider-Man. I kept rolling. I didn't. <laughs> uh, and also, in the R&G segment... He, the dog, and I actually have both watched a movie currently still in theaters. Ooh. I know. And it was Blade Runner 2049, and we will let you know your opinion of this film. Hello, Duncan Idaho. Good to see you there. So, we'll give you your opinion of Blade Runner 2049 if you are an intelligent, sophisticated man about town. Or woman about town. Or woman, yeah. Or whatever category you fit into. You could be about town... Whatever category you want to be in, my friend, you choose your pronoun. The Legion of Myth does not care. Speaking of, 
a disclaimer is in order. It is. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or offensive language or ideas. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Hey, Heathen Dog, you do anything uh, interesting this over the last week? Over the last week, uh, besides my trials and tribulations with OBS? No, not, not really. That's true. Yeah, That's I've, been, true. I've been having some troubles. Well, those weren't interesting. I mean, I guess it was interesting. It just wasn't yeah. fun. Well, it wasn't yeah. fun at all. No. I actually got the opportunity to hang out with the people from the Foundry online, the roundtable. Right. Yes, you did. And uh, I was actually very proud to be a part of the Discovery uh, just roundtable. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I'm certain I won't, well, I'm certain it's definitely worth worth viewing. So uh, if you have to actually go on YouTube, look up uh, Discovery Roundtable, and there's some really, pretty sweet production in that. So I was really there excited is. to it's, see the final really the, final deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I decided I shouldn't be on the show as well because I don't really like Discovery that much. Yeah, your opinions would not have been of the no, constructive welcome. variety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't. It would just been a giant poop fest. Yeah, so it's probably better to leave you out. But I was very, very proud to be a part of that. So I want to thank them again for that opportunity. Nice. <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to repeat what Duncan Idaho just said. Uh, because he's not here right now. He's busy watching the live recording of the Foundry Roundtable. Mm-hmm. Wink. All right. So as always, you could check us out on Twitch. You could be doing that every single day of the week. You could check the live stream, which we're talking about right now, uh, every Saturday at 9 Eastern, 10 Central. I'm uh, sorry, 8 Central. Uh, you could check us out on YouTube. Just look for Legion of Myth on Reddit, on Facebook.com slash group slash Legion of Myth. Uh, look for us at Twitter, at Legion of Myth, through Discord, Facebook Messenger, or a Steam group. You can get the audio version of this through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, or fine podcast aggregators everywhere. If you want to support us, you got a lot of ways. We'll talk about them again. But just so you know, we got them Twitch streaming, Patreon, Streamlabs, direct through PayPal, or getting our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. And just showing you, look, look at that. Look at that. Repping the gear. Yellow shirt. Boom. Gray shirt. Look at that. The dogma, baby. Look at that. The dogma right there. Oh, yeah. You could go, and when you tell your friends you're smarter than them, you could tell them it's because of the Legion of Myth. That's right. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. Whatever vibe you want to put out in the universe, these shirts will amplify that vibe. I think they're the key to opening your chakras. It's true. It is. It is the uh, And if you're on a 12-step program, it's the 13th step. <laughs> <laughs> My family has a lot of experience with 12-step programs. I can assure you, the 13th step, Leech of Myth gear. Just the saying. most important step. Yeah. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I present to you for your perusal... Do not judge harshly, but with intelligence and insight as you are taken along the road through Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, Anime on the Stream. Thank you very much. Anime on the Stream, of course, is a segment where I uh, show you uh, some of the anime I found on either Netflix and Hulu that uh, most people already subscribe to. And so you can watch or not watch, uh, depending if it's good or not. And today is a very special day because both of these anime are found on Netflix. Wait, yeah, what? Usually, that was yeah. almost a spit take. What? 
<laughs> yeah, usually Netflix doesn't get highly shown here because they don't have a whole lot of series. They have, uh, but they have, uh, Netflix has become the uh, proprietary streamer for a lot of uh, anime movies. That's probably one of the reasons Netflix is in the hole right now. Yeah, it could be. But this one is actually pretty good. And we're going to go to ID Zero. Now, it's based in the distant future where uh, human uh, humankind has found this mineral called Oracult, uh, very, very much like Oracalcum. Yeah, from, so I was thinking the same yeah, thing. from Earthon and Shatteron, yeah. But uh, it is an element that allows uh, instant transmission, kind of like, a, I wouldn't say teleportation, but folding space, kind of like wormhole type thing. Uh, what, what you do is uh, you, you take a piece, you break it in half or, you know, whatever, and you, you, put, you put one part of it way out there and you put another part of it in your ship. You charge the part in your ship, and it will teleport to the other part. So you'll disappear from here and reappear here, basically. So it allowed humanity to really explore the universe. I'm assuming now, it also allows for uh, instantaneous communication over vast stellar distances? Yes, yes. Kind of like Ansible-type communication. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, humanity is nuts for this stuff, obviously. So they're there's a whole bunch of mining companies made to to mine this stuff it's only found in space so it's inherently dangerous the so they created a system called the mind trance system that allows a human consciousness to be placed inside a robot body so the robot body can do all the mining and stuff and if there's danger or it's going to get destroyed they just he just jacks out and pops back into his body and he's safe oh, so that sounds it, nice. uh, yeah so it, it made a you know a 50 percent mortality rate for oracult miners down to 0.03%. So, yep, helps a lot. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. Now, let's get to the particulars of this thing. Okay, it was directed by uh, Goro uh, Taniguchi. <laughs> Got it? Okay. Did you block uh, but, out the company that, that you don't ever want to name? Uh, yep. Uh, written by... <laughs> Music by Takayuki Hattori. Studio is Sanzien. I guess Sanzien. That's Sans again, obviously. Obviously, okay. License, of course, by Netflix. They have the streaming rights because they help they help fund it, so they get all the streaming rights. The original networks were broadcast wise were Tokyo Max Sun, KBS, and BS11. Original run was April 9, 2017 to January 25, 2017. Came out on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for a total of 12 episodes, and of course, you can only watch it on Netflix. Now, Netflix. Yeah, let's get to the main characters. Main characters, uh, the, the main character is Ido. Uh, Ido is uh, uh, basically what uh, what the uh, anime is, is uh, named after, the ID Zero, because uh, he has no name. He has amnesia. He doesn't know his name, so his, his ID is zero on all records, so he just... Now he calls himself Ido. So it's Fine. someone whose brain is permanently stuck in a robot? Yes, he's called an Evertrancer. An, an Evertrancer is someone who, for for whatever reason, has abandoned or lost their body while they were in a robot and can't go back. So they're stuck in it. Yeah, that's how I feel about my daily life. <laughs> it is illegal to do this. Oh. Highly illegal. Yes, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if an accident took your body or your body is a complete cripple or whatever. Uh, you are no longer legally a person if you don't have a body to go back to. That's a rather so, vague definition of person. Yeah, but that's what they do. I mean, when when this uh, when this mind trance technology came out, they had to make hard and fast rules so people wouldn't Fair you know, buck the system and decide, oh, I will live forever. <laughs> you know, like no, no, not allowed. Sorry, buddy. That sounds a pretty good gig, actually. Yeah, yeah, he does. He has no memories besides up besides uh, starting five years back. 
So he's got the last five years and that's it. The only thing he knows for sure, he's driven to, to find Oracle. He's driven to find, he doesn't know why. I mean, he, uh, once he found out about it, he's like, I gotta, I gotta do that. Why? I I just gotta do it. It explains it, of course, during, during, during the series, why he has to find the Oracle, why he's driven to do it, why it's so important to him that he doesn't know why, but he finds out later. Don't worry. His demeanor is very, very stoic. He's kind of like a, I don't want to say Vulcan-ish, but you know he has emotions. They don't come out a whole lot, and he's very matter-of-fact about talking about life and death type stuff. Well, he's kind of a robot. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it's a side effect of not having a body or, or being, in a, being in a robot for five well, years. Well, it's like the replicant thing. He has no memories of a childhood or a past, so it kind of screws with your present. There you go. There you go. And the cool thing is, he's a space ninja. Let's roll uh, clip number one, and you'll be able to see it. I like he's space ninjas. Ninjaing out. I was guessing by the bandana he was a space ninja. Yes, you are correct. All right, Super ID space. zero, clip one, coming at you. That's really cool, but I will say, if I was a space ninja, I'd want better weapons than darts with strings. Oh no, they they explode too. Okay, that's good then. But, yeah, he's using target practice, so he's not gonna blow his ordnance on you know target practice. So he he was just making sure you know he's got got the kinks out of his uh, out of his uh, robot body. You know it it, it, get, it gets repaired a lot in this series. I'm gonna spoil that for you. It gets repaired a lot. <laughs> he gets in a lot of fights. Uh, and then and then we we go to the the cast of uh, the ensemble cast is the excavate company now since since Ido wants to mine Oracle so much he decided to get in with an with an excavation company now he is an evertrancer he has no no ID listed anywhere in any records at all so he's not going to be able to get in in a legit company so he throws in with an illegal kind of like a gray area mining company called the excavate company now uh as you can see they have these these are the excavate people there's a uh, claire from the left to right claire gray man uh karia rick uh what's her name amazonia and uh i forget her name she, she, she's not important she, she is the least interesting of all the characters she looks and uninteresting ito and maya and the dog far loser or fa loser is a, is a, is basically an animal put into a robot body because oops because oops well it, they explain that toward the end of the series okay and you find out who did it and why stuff like that but uh, they, it's a, got a very firefly vibe you know like they, they work on the edge of known space they they work for themselves they're you know they're their own boss they they just want to be left alone and out of all these people there are four evertrancers in there uh, gray man karia rick and Ido are all Evertrancers from uh, from one problem or another. Uh, we don't know what happened to Gray Man's body. Kario's body was lost in an accident. Rick's body was was killed because he used to be a, uh, uh, a race car, uh, basically a race car driver, right. and uh, his body was lost in an accident. All right. And Ido, of course, we don't know until the very end. We don't know what happened to his body, or even if he had one. Maybe he's an AI. I don't know. But Something he's like that. But, a pretty cool robot space ninja. Right. He's a cool robot space ninja, so don't question too much. Now, uh, all these people, their 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 personalities are. Doug Idaho's uh, theory about the dog is that uh, beer, an elaborate plan to get more beer was involved. I thought it was. Funny. I want to say close, but it's not. <laughs> I thought it was funny. 
it's funny. That's why I want to say it. that's really close, but no, it's not even close at all. But uh, all of these people have their have their personalities. Uh, I don't want to say explained, but uh, well, well, how come Grayman and Carla or Caria don't look like robots? Well, because they uh, used to have bodies, and so their their avatars. That this is uh, where they all meet to discuss stuff is uh, a virtual space. Oh, okay. so in so in their their virtual space, they still have their oh, uh, but the other two just choose, choose to look Rick, like robots in virtual space. There, yes, there is a reason Rick comes out as his mech, even in virtual space, which I'm not going to spoil. And of course, Edo comes out as mech because he doesn't remember having a body. So there's really yeah, that's that's his persona. So are they giant robots? Yes, they're giant. Okay, robots. I, was like, I thought they were giant, but they look people sized. Now that well, yeah, explains that, it. All right. It explains it. Yeah, Thank they're you. in the, the virtual space where they have all their face to face meetings, stuff like that, because right. having a face to face meeting with four giant robots and uh, one, two, three little squishy people is a little weird. Is the dog a giant robot? Yes, the dog is, a, is also an ever transfer, but I didn't count it. It's well, yeah, I just wanted to know if it was a giant robot. Yeah, not as giant, kind of like a dog size. It's giant. a dog sized. All right. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was like a little dog-sized robot. All right. Now, uh, main antagonist. Now, this I put a question mark on this one because, oh, man, I, if I tell you why, it's really going to spoil it, but I can tell you why. This guy, he, the story wants him to be an antagonist, wants him to be a bad guy. He's not. He's not a bad guy. He's a little crazy, sure, but he's not a bad guy. The, the real bad guy is you didn't see it coming. All right. All anyway, right. it's the uh, dog. Kane Arisugawa. He is the creator of the mind trans system. He's the guy who who made up the tech to put your brain into a robot body, which allowed Oracle to be mined and human society based on it. All right. Now, it shows him early on and in the in the middle middle of the series, like a puppet master. I mean, he can he can push a button and have the military do stuff. He he can push another button and and have uh, and have the the uh, the equivalent of the space CIA do something for him and they won't know, you know, the, they'll think it's all their idea when it's actually, it's his. So, you know, I don't know how much power he's got, but it's freaking a lot. Shadow government, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a shadow government or just him. I don't know. Now there is this thing that wants to destroy all of the Oracult um, in the, in the galaxy, which would, completely screw humanity because humanity is based on yeah, they kind of need it yeah so it's like someone said hey we need to get rid of electricity right and uh, he wants to destroy this oracle eating Rod rajiv that's what the, is what they call it now if we go to the next one we go to the actual main antagonist which is rajiv it's a planet-sized artificial intelligent artificial intelligent machine made of oracle and its sole purpose it seems is to go find oracle and eat it well, it's trying to grow and expand this network. It's a yeah. basic life function. I guess so. It has no regard for any any actual people. Well, no, they're so, below it. Yeah. So if it, if it finds a ship that has Oracle in it, it'll eat the ship to get the Oracle, and of course, kill the people. All right. Yay. And we got clip number three. If you run that, it'll it'll show uh it'll show uh, uh Rajiv uh, doing nasty nasty things to lots and lots of people. I don't know if I want to watch that. Well, not like that. All right, I'm rolling it. どうした情報の中にフィフスに移動天体が出現したとあそこには一世億以上の住民がいるだと近くの観測施設に接続して望遠画像を出せないかこちらフィフス巨大移動天体による被害報告多数被害報告多数 
like encapsulating it like an amoeba. Yep. It sensed a lot of oracle on the planet, so it said the best way to get to it is to eat the whole planet. Yay! Well, hey, why not? Why oh, not? Because it's kind of mean, man. It's kind of a D-bag move. But that's what they did. That's what happened. All right, so that is the actual main antagonist. Because if this thing wins... Either it eats all the all the Oracult and humanity fights it, fights it, fights it, you know, and humanity is destroyed by it because Oracult is everywhere in human society. Or humans uh, eject all Oracult into space, this thing eats it and goes away, and then humans are screwed. They're so, no longer a, a Yeah, you really can't win. Yeah, there, there is a no-win thing. Now, uh, Kane has a win scenario. All right, he has one. He, All right. And, and he wants to put it into use, but they're like, no, no, you can't do that. That's not the way to go. It's like, man. Does it involve, like, large explosions and killing things? It involves killing Rajiv. Well, I, I, have I no don't see a problem with, with that. Yeah, saving humanity so that they, uh, so Rajiv can be gone and the Oracult can stay. Even Starfleet like would be on the, okay, stop talking to the space whales. It's time to kill it bandwagon. Exactly. You know, like, oh, there's a probe talking to space whales. We got no space whales. Frickin' murder it. Murder the probe. Right. It's probe for all of us. Exactly. And they decide to kill the probe. I'm, I'm down with that. That's why that's why I put a question mark on him for antagonist, because yeah. he's not really. He's Anyway, uh, what I give it, I gave it uh, three and a half stars. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Had good action. Uh, the the uh, there was no blurring for fast motion, no wall effect, nothing like that. The character development was good. Now, to be fair, there wasn't a whole lot of characters to develop. You know, it was a small ensemble cast, so you had they had that going for you, and you know they took advantage, and everyone gets a backstory, everyone gets their own little time to shine, stuff like that. That's nice. And at the end, oh, it's a Shyamalan twist at the end. What the twist? Exactly. What a twist. So, yeah, it's a Shyamalan level. The, the last two episodes are Shyamalan level twist. So that's great. Now, the bad stuff. Uh, Maya, who's the girl in the picture, the, the girl with the red hair, the little cat ears, band, uh, cat ear in the background thingy, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, in the foreground. With the one up front hanging from the yeah. finger? The one up front hanging from the finger. Oh, she does yeah, have cat fine. ears. I didn't see that. All right. Yeah. She whines a lot. Like, a lot. Now... I understand that that's a that is a Japanese animation trope, where the the uh, one of the females has to be a whiner. I get it. They went super far with this, too far for my blood. Now the military, they're a joke. They're absolutely a joke. They are they're not explained. They're none of the military people are fleshed out in any way. Even the leaders, they're all under the thumb of Kane, and they apparently don't do anything unless the shadow government moves their pieces along the board. Really upsetting that, that the military didn't have any kind of uh, uh, interesting presence in the entire movie at all, even though they're in it a lot, but they have, they're just all, they're all paper people, just cut out people, nothing at all. And I didn't like that Oracle is the new oil. I mean, now we have an oil based society and an Oracle based society. Didn't anyone learn anything? I mean, I get it. Yeah, you have Oracle. No, there's no reason to try and find another way to travel through space at faster than light speed. We got this. Well, there's always a reason to branch out and explore find new a technologies. Way to do the same thing. Exactly. There's always a reason to do that. And guess what? Giant planet that wants to eat you is a good one. It's a good reason to find a new way to Fair travel enough. faster than light. So uh, they didn't. They didn't actually learn anything by the whole oil thing because th this is uh this is 
an Earth timeline just a few hundred years in the future. So everything that happened in the past here actually, you know, happened right. there as well. You know, so I, I was sad that they didn't actually it, it didn't it didn't even say they were still researching stuff. They just didn't discuss it at all. Well, maybe it's not that's a concern it. of these people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I'm sad about that. So that's why I, I took it off. Yeah, it's still one. highly rated yeah. three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. It, it, like I said, it was a, it was a good series. It only had like twelve episodes, but it was a good series. And uh, yeah, I recommend watching it. Very good. Now, uh, what I did for my for my special is I did the irregular at Magic High School. Now I did this months and months and months ago in the old format where it was just this picture. Yes. And then I talked around this picture. Well, it was either this, Alt Noah Zero, or Gundam Wing. That I was going to uh, that I was going to uh, expand on today. And irregular at Magic High School one. Let's uh, let's talk about it a little bit now. Uh, this the story is about Tatsuya Shiba, who is acting like a bodyguard for his sister Miyuki, uh, as they go into uh, one of the one of the ten or nine one one of the nine uh, magical academy high schools in Japan, because they both have uh, both have ability in magic. It's it's a genetic thing. I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's all you need to know at the beginning. And we'll go into the particulars and everything else will be explained later on. Uh, directed by Manabu Ono. Uh, written by a conglomeration, apparently. Uh, Munamasa Nakamoto, Yuki Sugawa, uh, Yukito Kizawa. A music by Taku Iwasaki. Studios, Madhouse Studios. I love Madhouse Studios. Uh, licensed by Hanabi and, of course, Anaplex of America for distribution, to distribution in the States. The original network is a laundry list I'm not going to go through. The original run was April 6, 2014 to September 27, 2014 for a total of 26 episodes. And you can find it on Netflix and Hulu. Crazy. I know, right? So let's get down to our main characters. Of course, our main main character is Tatsuya Shiba, the big brother to Miyuki. We got that already. Uh, he tested low in magical ability where his sister. Now, I have it in quotes, the big brother thing and the sister thing. They're in quotes because they're not really brother and sister, but it's the way the uh, Japanese family structure, like if someone is adopted into a family, there is no caveat. There's no, there's no asterisk put on their, their relation. It's now your family, as if you were blood. So, brother, not really brother, not related by blood, but there you go. Uh, so he was he tested low magic ability. She tested high. The reason he tested low is because the tests don't apply to someone like him. All right. He was only able to follow her into this elite school as her bodyguard because she is the head of their family, of the of the Sheba family. Yeah. Right? This guy just leaks coolness. I mean, he he's not aloof, but he's cool. He's not uh, he's not detached, but he's reserved. You know, he uh, when when he walks around, he'll help a random stranger and then say, "Hey, you're welcome," and then just keep walking on. You know, always leave, always have, always leave him wanting more, you know? So yeah. people just kind of flock around him just to be around him. Yeah, and, and once he's your friend, he's got your back no matter what. If, if he has taken the time in, in his day to say, yep, you're my friend, he he's with you 100%. You're in trouble, he's there. You need help, he's there. Anything and anything, you know, if, uh, he's there. He's there for you. He's always the smartest guy in the room. 
it's it's uncanny and he he doesn't lord it over anyone he doesn't he doesn't uh he doesn't solve a problem to be the problem solver he solves a problem to help the people around him and he ends up looking like a genius because he is a genius and he he does it in a way where no one feels inferior super cool dude you want to be around him so he's got that he's got that gravity he's got people just drawn to him to his sister okay uh she is uh, she's the, the head of the shiva family she's a bit emotional now what i mean by a bit emotional uh for an anime you may be thinking oh emotional meaning she freaks out and and uh, when someone trips and accidentally touches her in a in a no-no place she gets all freaked out and starts beating people no 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 luckily not she's not that kind of stupid anime trope no she's a bit emotional meaning that uh when you get under her skin she really does not forgive you type emotional like ooh you're gonna burn buddy you shouldn't have done that and so she she holds grudges stuff like that that kind of emotional she cares deeply for everyone but especially for her brother if you wrong her brother in any way you're more than likely going to be killed but he's super cool so it's kind of rare i guess yeah yeah and, and so no one no one says that's wrong because you know yeah, you're protecting this guy. He's super cool and awesome in every way. So, yeah, good for you. And uh, uh, she's adept in ice magic. Now, if we run clip number two, we can uh, we can see her in her all of her ice magic glory going after someone who tried to attack her brother. And here we go. Yeah. Hey, this kind of hose. Just yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, usually if you freeze that solid, you're kind of dead. Yep. Oh, look how cool he is. He's far worth sorting your hands over. <laughs> well, dang. Yeah, so she is no joke. All right, she she like I said, she she tested very powerfully and in almost every category of magic so she is no joke that's why he wasn't worried like he looked back in the clip he looked back saw he was coming with that knife didn't do anything about it yeah just kept just, walking. Eh, whatever yeah she's got it and she did all right now she is used by by her family as a foil or a control for tatsuya's real power oh okay now he using conventional magic he sucks at it he sucks at it. He's he is he's equipped to use only uh, deconstitution magic or destruction magic. He can actually very easily uh, separate the bonds that that bind matter together, basically disintegrate things. Now, if we run clip number one, it'll show him in action. Clip number one. Oh yeah, that, that doesn't go. Well. Shooting something doesn't work, the knife usually is the best choice. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like throwing your gun at Superman. Like, yeah. there goes your arm. Oh, yeah. there goes the rest of you. See, what, what he did was uh, he concentrated on one vertical plane of his arm and dissolved all of the cells in that yeah. small plane, so his arm just came off. That's a neat trick. Yeah, yeah. Fun at parties. It's a good gig if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah that 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 is a, a glimpse in his power now at that at that point he's still uh suppressed by by his sister's power they actually have a spell that that suppresses him as long as as long as she's alive all right she can undo it so he can he can do his full potential which is absolutely frightening for everyone who sees it absolutely frightening and you you get it okay now i get why she's used as a power stop i get it now we go on to the other main characters which are tatsuya's group now the reason i say tatsuya's group is because these are the people caught in his gravity all right he, yeah he walked down the hall uh helped a couple people with their books and then they just started following him type thing you know uh they're a mixture of weeds and blooms now weeds are people who tested low in magic but high enough to get into this uh to this exclusive school or their family had a lot of money to buy them into the school they're they're like uh second tier students all right and blooms are first tier students they're the ones who are gifted they have the magic. special blue skirts yes well no they have the uh, on the armband it's hard to see in this but uh on the side of their arms they have uh, they have a hexagonal area that's either blank for a weed or uh or the picture of a flower if you're a bloom all right fair enough you know, first first tier students and second tier students now uh th these are a mixture of the two because he he breaks down class barriers ah, that's what I'm, he does I'm, he's so I'm, crazy exactly unless I'm you know they'll be dancing <laughs> And the cool thing is, there's like 10 people in this picture. All of them get proper introductions. They get proper backstory. They get proper character development. It's great. You know, they have 26 nice. episodes and everyone gets to shine. It's it's awesome. That I is really awesome. like that. Now, uh, speaking of shining, this is toward the end of the series, but uh, Tatsuya also has the ability to kind of like reach into someone and pull greatness just snatch it right out of them you know like bam there's your greatness here you go All what right. i didn't know it was here you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's either he get, he gives you a pep talk it's all you needed or you you were doing it wrong he, he tells he's you just hey, a natural know. leader yeah he's, he's a natural leader he brings out the best in everyone around him you know either through coaching through hints or from flat out no do it this way dummy Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, wow, that really works. You know, so I have a clip number three of of uh, the majority of these people uh, fighting off a, a military force, a trained military force, because of of uh, Tatsuya's help and guidance guidance throughout the series. So let's check that out. Which clip is that? Clip number three. Clip number three. Oh, look at that. Teach kids magic. They see another fighting giant robots in the streets. <laughs> well, nobody wanted a giant robot in the streets anymore. Apparently not. Well, they certainly beat the hell out of those robots. Yes, they did. Or piloted mecha with dead people in them. 
well they're dead now oh yeah yeah in the uh, and the, the cool thing is all of the all of the juice coming out of the robots you're not sure if it's blood or oil yeah it could like could be hydraulic fluid could be blood it could be could be blood could be hydraulic fluid you don't know it, it never really says it just you just assume that all those all those guys are just yeah. super dead blood which is kind of like you know organic hydraulic fluid in many right, ways right right and then we get to the main antagonist. Now, there are three main antagonists because there are three distinct arcs in the 26 episodes. Uh, the first arc, the school is the main antagonist, and more, more, more specifically, the, the class system in the school, the, the Weeds and Blooms system. And uh, he, he goes through and breaks this system down. You know, he, he befriends Weeds, and all of the Blooms have to have to acknowledge him because of his actions like oh he's got no magical ability whatsoever and yet he constantly kicks all kinds of super genius butt which is nice. all the time because like i said he was tested the tests don't work for him because he uses magic in a different way so the uh the whole class system is the first antagonist and that goes through the first i don't know five or six episodes him breaking this down he actually joined student council at, at one point oh and then the next antagonist is the No Head Dragon organization. It's like a Yakuza or Triad type organization. And uh, they, they deal in human trafficking, drugs, prostitution, and gambling. That now, does they, look like an image of a dragon where I can't find its head. Exactly. Now, uh, they call it the No Head Dragon because even if you kill one of them, you're not really going to kill the organization. There's nobody at the front. It's a conglomerate. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Like Hydra. Yeah, like Hydra. Now, uh, they tried to rig the nine schools competition. Nine, nine schools competition is all of the nine schools in, in uh, magical schools in Japan get together once a year and they compete in kind of like Olympics type stuff. Of course, using magic to, yes. to show off their school's learning program and, and their, their school's talent. Right. Just like in My but, Little Pony. Yes. They, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't. They, they tried to rig it because there's an underground betting, you know, obviously. For, for any sport, there's there's betting. And they wanted to rig it so they they could uh, uh, pull in all the yen. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, make, make all the money. Why not? Make all the money, right. The only problem is their tactics put Tatsuya's friends and especially his sister in danger. Like, oh, that's not going to make him pleased. And like I said, a pro tip, don't don't ever do that because he come after you. And he did. He he used uh, he used the contacts, strange contacts. You don't you don't know how he knows these people, but he uses some military contacts to find out where these guys' next meeting was and kill them all dead. Well, that'll put a little kink in their plans. Yeah, the no head dragon now really has no head because uh, he killed all the heads. <laughs> he just made them go poof like he did with the bull. That's you for betting on children's sports. That's, there you that's go. just how it is. Wrong for you. And the third antagonist, this is at the end of the storyline, is the Great Asian Alliance. Now, uh, the whole story was that uh, in the beginning of the 21st century, uh, climate change turned out to be a super bad thing. By 2030, uh, the climate has changed so much that growing food became very troublesome and there was a population of 10 billion people. So there was wars, wars over resources like food and energy. And the world, world War Three pulled out and the world was decimated down more than decimated to the point where only three billion people are left. And there are only four major uh, countries and the Great Asian Alliance is one of them. And Japan and the, the uh, Japanese islands are another. Uh, now, the yeah, Great Asian Alliance in Japan. So, yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah, the Green Asian Alliance is made up of China, the Korean Peninsula, North of Burma, Vietnam, and Laos. So it's all the Asians the Japanese don't like. Yes, exactly. All <laughs> the Asian countries that, that Japan hates is the bad guy at the end of the series. Who, who thunk it? You know, who saw it coming? Literally everybody. Anyway, uh, they invade Japan to try and steal uh, their magical their magical tech, their magical theory, spell work, stuff like that, because they're, out of all the four major countries, they're the least uh, ahead in, the, in magical research in those areas. So they decided to... Well, know, yeah. By research yourself, you can take someone else's. Right, exactly. It doesn't go well for them, mainly because oh you, you know Do that clip, high school's uh, full of crazy magic people? yeah yeah the, the high school is, is full of people who are who are taught by tatsia so yay there you go and the the uh clip of his of his gang that yeah. we ran earlier yeah that that was uh they were they were fighting the chinese government mm. yeah so it doesn't go well for them at all yeah not at all so that was fun anyway i don't remember uh, running what, a clip of his gang you know all, all the kids who were who were slaying all the mechs remember Oh yeah. yeah! All right, yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was the Chinese people's max. That was the Great Asian Alliance max. Uh, Duncan Ida has a question: If you love magic, is it being used to magic up food or just to kill robots and stuff? Well, uh, you can't create from nothing, and apparently, no one has ever created something edible in the whole series. You could, uh, you can, you can create magical constructs, but as soon as you stop concentrating on them, they fade away. You can't make anything permanent. Makes sense. Yeah. So you can't just make food. Like, but you would think you that they're yeah, used, yeah. trying to use their talents for the betterment of mankind, not, not just to blow up Mecca. Oh, no, no. They, uh, the, whole, the whole middle arc of, of the story is the, uh, is the, uh, um, the, uh, the exhibition conference. where I forget what it's called. But it's uh, all, all the nine schools get their, get their newest theories out there, like theories for perpetual motion powered by magic, theories for... Uh, um, uh, using magic to to enhance uh, uh, planes, so they, they they require less speed, less lift. They can actually be lighter, so they can carry more cargo on less fuel. You know, uh, a way that magic can help society as a whole. That's the right, theme that's cool. of this of this uh, yearly tech conference, magical tech conference. All right, makes so sense. yeah, I mean they uh, the the magical community seriously does not want mages to be used in warfare so they want to make mages valuable outside of just killing mechs and shooting fireballs and stuff they 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 want them to be so needed in society that they won't be used in combat because like i said uh magical is a genetic trait you either have the trait or you don't and the the magical community doesn't want all their people to be you know in the front line of a combat because then well also it's like like you i guess say it's akin to nuclear fission it's really useful for blowing people up, but it's actually more useful in generating power. Right. Exactly right. Now, what did I give this? I gave it four stars. You know, it was it was pretty easy to, to give it four stars. It had a great story. Uh, the character development was excellent. Like I said, all ten of those guys in, in that picture, uh, mi- minus one, that, that's the asterisk, uh, got amazingly fle- uh, fleshed out backstories. Really great. The action was awesome, as you saw. Uh, all the action is like yeah, that. Look good, it's, look it's, good. All, it's all very fast-paced. It's all very cool. And it has an interesting spin on modern magic. Now, uh, modern magic uh, is is done through CADS. Uh, I forget the name of that, but it's, it's an acronym for... Uh, I believe you, you saw a cell phone-like like, like device in uh, his sister's hand when she was using magic. 
like a little cell phone thing. That's a CAD. It uh, it stores the spells. You bring up the spell. You uh, you bring up the the spell formula. You shove magic into it, and it will make it'll make your effect. You know, it's it's uh, that's convenient. Still got to memorize all that stuff. Memorizing spells. Yeah, exactly. You know, your your brain can only fit so many formulae at once. Yeah. But if you have it stored electronically, you can fit all your spells in one little hand. It's like memorizing phone different. numbers. If you don't have to. Why bother? Exactly. Exactly. No one knows their own phone number anymore. They just have it on their phone. Like, oh, yeah, it's my phone. Or that no one knows their mom's phone number anymore. It's just, you know, mom. Yeah, it's in their phone. Yeah, it's in their phone. That's exactly how it is in, uh, in magic spells. So I thought that was neat, you know? Now, the bad stuff. This is why I didn't give it five stars. Katsuya has no character development whatsoever. You discover he is insanely powerful. But... He doesn't gain. He still or acts the same, or is the same super cool dude yeah. the whole time. Yes, exactly. He's the same guy the entire time. There's no growth in his character. There's no growth in his powers. He was always this powerful. You just didn't know it. So his character doesn't change in any significant way from the beginning of the series to the very last second. Doesn't change at all. Fair enough. So that eh, was a bit of a hit. And you find out that he was God all the time. Seriously, he has. When when he when his when his uh, stopper is unleashed and his sister unleashes all of his power, wow! Like I said, you get it. Why why people are afraid of this guy? He is the only uh, magician who is considered tactical nuclear class. Fair enough. He's omega class. Yes, yes. He if you did if you did a, a comic book parlance, he would be omega level. He'd be the world's only omega level mutant. He's crazy powerful. A little dangerous. He has power over life and death. Literally life and death. What? It's too much. It's too much. And he didn't gain that power through the series. He always had it. It was just he restricted just from know. him. It was just restricted because you don't want him walking around with that kind of power. I get it. I get it. But he always had it. He didn't. He didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to struggle for it. It did. It wasn't a growth seen through the series. It wasn't something he was trying it. to attain or anything. Something we always had, just born yeah. with it. Yep. So I didn't like that. It, you, you lost the ability to, to show the growth through the series, and you went the other way. I'm not saying this way was bad. It just stopped for getting five stars. That's all. All right. No, four stars is still high praise. Yes, it is. I highly recommend watching this one. Highly. Yeah, Duncan Idaho says he actually dings a One Punch Man kind of for that too. Yeah, yeah. One Punch Man has the same way because he doesn't he doesn't have any growth. He starts off exactly as powerful. Right, he does exactly kind of give his backstory, but that's not how he's for the whole series. He's just always, yeah. you know. Yeah, throughout the entire really... series, unless he's in flashback, he's in God mode. Yeah, but then again, One Punch Man is a comedy. So it's like played it's almost for laughs. Like, oh, darn it, I'm just too strong. You know. It's true. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for today. I want to thank everyone for stopping by. I hope you had fun. Thanks for the review. That's definitely something worth looking at, I think. Mm-hmm. If you want more Heathen Dog, you can also check out his Heathen Dogma, uh, anime and RPG saves, and team-ups on YouTube. That's right. Uh, you can check out his past streams. Uh, leveling up through Star Trek Online is Buck Fastman Cool, who's getting new adventures. That's right. Thanks to the new season. Mm-hmm. Starfleet will never be the same. Uh, his playthrough was well, plays of StarCraft II. Uh, his run-through of Darkest Dungeon, Ugh. where you could watch Hope die. Uh, yes. Playing Observer, where you could watch his character die in a hole. Yep. In, in a game glitch, over and over and over again. Now, uh, you can only find that on if you're a Patreon supporter. Ah, that's worth it. 
Uh, also, you can also see his creepy descents into darkness with Amnesia, a dark descent, and Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Thanks to Baldar. Thank you, Baldar, for that. Nice and creepy. And you also check out his streams Monday and Thursday at 12 noon Central Time. And uh, you can check me out right now uh, drinking pineapple-flavored vodka. Oh, that sounds like a bad idea. It sounds like an awesome idea. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Why do you – every week I wonder why you do this to yourself. Because I secretly loathe myself. Oh, at least we publicly loathe you. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you actually like that one? Yeah. Oh, well. That was actually pretty good. All right. Well, the pineapple is legit pineapple. Wow. All right. I'm impressed. New Amsterdam. Got the pineapple <laughs> Bellar right. says, oh, look, you drank out of glass today. So you're classy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that uh, drinking out of the bottle uh, makes it go down even harder. And yeah. And I don't actually yeah. get the flavor. And it's slower that way. Yes. All right, everyone. Hold on to your horses. Protect your pocket protectors. Make sure your glasses are pushed up high up on the bridge of your nose, because it is time for... Garthon's Comic Pull, where Garthon pulls comics and tells you about them. Today, going through today's comics, as I was explaining to Heathen Dog earlier, it's like... Uh, imagine like a really awesome sandwich, or, ha- or hamburger. The bun is fantastic. All the toppings are there you want. It looks great. You take a bite into it, and you're like, "This, this, it, something's wrong. It's, it's not meat. It's, it's a mushroom in the middle. They slipped you a vegetarian hamburger. Everything's great except the middle, and that's what we're going through today. So look out for that middle comic. All right. First up is Uncanny Avengers, number 28, written by Jim Zub, art by Sean Isaacs, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, uh, the covers by Arby Silva, Edgar, and Edgar Delgado. Uh, the art in the book is actually, in my opinion, better than the cover. Yeah, this cover looks a little cartoony. It does look cartoony, but it's in a way, it's it's comic booky, cartoony. It's not bad, but uh, at the beginning of this book is a mysterious figure has presented himself to the Avengers. Uh, well, the Uncanny Avengers. The guy says, "What's up with that guy's right leg? Uh, which guy?" Wonder Man. Uh, he's made out of ionic energy, so normal anatomy does not apply to him. Fair. <laughs> yep. fair. And perspective makes things look weird at that time. But no, no, his 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 foot is. Eh, it's kind of bendy. Yeah, it looks like he has two knees. But uh, the Uncanny Avengers, who are Rogue, Wasp, Doctor Voodoo, the Human Torch, uh, Synapse, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Beast, and Wonder Man. Oh, Beast isn't officially on the team yet. He kind of joins this issue. And Wonder Man who is recently back from the dead again. Um, of course. As ha- Wonder Man comes back from the dead a lot. They actually joke about that in the book. But uh, this guy shows up. And they're like, oh, when are you going to start? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've been looking for, for Johnny Storm. And they're like, well, if you want to fight, this isn't the time. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've been looking for you all for months. And he is a lawyer who is in charge of... Reed Richards' uh, estate, and you know okay. Johnny Storm's like, well, we don't own the Baxter Building anymore. Parker screwed that up. That's gone. We got nothing. <laughs> I love it. They're still blaming Parker. It is his <laughs> fault. Because he's a tool. He is a tool. He acted like a tool. See, Idiot. I didn't. I could have reviewed the Amazing Spider-Man this week, 
in which the Amazing Spider-Man number 28 could have been listed, Peter Parker is a tool. <laughs> and it's basically like he's living in Mockingbird's apartment. He's stealing her food. He has nothing. Um, he opens, turns on the news. It's people saying he sucks. Opens the newspaper. And like, yeah, basically it's like, you know, he, wow, this guy lost a multi-million dollar empire overnight. What an idiot. Oh, billion dollar. Empire. Yeah. So he lost everything. He's an idiot. He's like, I was saving people. No, no. He actually goes to the daily bugle bugle right now. Reviewing that book complains to Robbie Robertson, who one of his great friends from when he worked there. And he's like, yeah, well, this is the story. Sam wrong. He's like, well, you're not, but you're like, you know, you could have said I help people. We do, but that's not the real story. You know that. And then as he's leaving, he like looks over at like the science center's desk, says, "Oh, that's actually how not accurate. I had to explain the new prim particle. It's like this, this, and this. It'll never actually work practically. It's for home use, but it's great for science." And the guy's like, "Oh yeah," and Rob and Robbie's like, "Wait, that was actually really good." So you kind of get the idea he's going to end up hiring him as his new science advisor for the newspaper. Why? But because he. Peter Parker is one of his, like his, uh, he's always looked out for Peter since Peter was a super loser taking newspapers and Jonah was yelling at him. Mm, all right. That's why. All right. We, we, we should jump back to this. But comment. back to Uncanny Avengers. <laughs> um, so this lawyer shows up, says, hey, Reed Richards' estate, I'm in charge of it. He's like, well, hey, uh, Reed's gone. I don't know where he is. We're all broken up about it. Uh, thanks for bringing up that. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's in charge of multiple foundations. Uh, Reed Richards has a, an extensive portfolio of patents. It's mm. worth millions. He's like, wait, what? And it's all yours. Like, wait, wait, how much is it? Um, they actually give the number. Uh, oh. One billion dollars. Uh, it says, um, if you'd be so kind, like to sign a few papers here. It'll be in possession of Richard's illustrious patents, as well as license fees and settlements. Paid in a total of $5,196,353,518.41. Yeah, sure. <laughs> At that point, he's like, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, you got a pen? You got a pen? <laughs> oh, sign. So, um, and that's kind most of the issue is actually about Beast and Wonder Man. Uh, back in the 70s, in oh. the Avengers, Beast and Wonder Man were actually kind of like a buddy cop duo. Uh, except they were both a little... They, there was no good cop, bad cop. They were like two buds who'd go out and fight crime together. Uh, Marvel team-up actually had Beast and Wonder Man all the time. Um, and this issue, they kind of get back together, they catch up of all the stuff that's gone on, like they died again, and and Beast goes over all the problems he's had recently, and how he's, like, you know, I've screwed up so freaking much recently. And he starts listing all the things he's done, which I won't get into because I don't want to spoil it. But he's screwed up a lot. And Wonder's like, yeah, well, I've done this, and I, you know, I'm back for the dead again, I got nothing to do. I got nowhere yeah, but, to go. And then there's this Peter Parker guy, oh, yeah, oh, he's screwed way more. <laughs> <laughs> I but, feel uh, better now. <laughs> But, like, they're kind of, like, just kind of like, oh, so what do we even do? I mean, there are no Avengers right now. There's – everything's – like, Cap was in charge of Hydra. It'd be just like, yeah, and I – instead of, like, standing in his way, I acted as the ambassador for New Tian, the, the, the mutant empire. I, I didn't try and stop the rise of fascism around me. I tried to 
hold it off, and that was wrong. You know, it's like it's like, dang man, Beast is being harsh on himself. He's right. Yeah, but, kidding. Um. But then, of course, you know, they're kind of commiserating with each other, like, and then there's a bank robbery, like, right outside the restaurant, and it's you know a bunch of you know high goons, of course. It's a whirlwind and some goons who are robbing a bank. At which point, you know, they spring into action and they stop the robbery, help each other out, save lives. And by doing so, they both are able like, to come to terms like, okay, we screwed up in the past, but we just helped a whole bunch of people. We can still do this. We're still heroes. We still, this is what we enjoy doing. We're still friends. We still got that. And it's kind of a nice... You know, package. A little hopeful yeah. story. That's why it's oh, Stars and Garters Part 1, because Beast's famous catchphrase is, oh, my Stars and Garters. Hmm. Um, there's also a little... And also, every pair of the Uncanny Avengers gets some little story. Um, Wasp and Rogue go off and talk about leadership of the team, where Wasp convinces Rogue, like, look, you're the leader of this team, whether you like it or not. They're already looking to you. I've been leader in the past. I don't want it. Uh, they look to you. Um... Quicksilver goes off to talk with Synapse, uh, who's a mentalist, about their budding romance. And actually, it's a, it's a pretty sweet little thing. It's not too long, because, of course, they get interrupted. Uh, Brother Voodoo talks with uh, Scarlet Witch about the nature of magic and what's going on. And then they start decide to rebuild the mansion. And at the end, they get, they're getting attacked by uh, Juggernaut. That's like of the course. last panel, Juggernaut jumping in. Wait, wait, when did this become an X-Men comic? Well, it's the Uncanny Avengers, so it's half X-Men, half Avengers. It's half X-Men, yeah, yeah. Because whenever Juggernaut's like, okay, uh, time to destroy the mansion again. Yay! Yeah, well, the mansion... Well, it's... Juggernaut is powered by the by the uh, Crimson, Crimson Gem of Sidorak. Gem of Sidorak, yeah. So, well, what Brother Voodoo and Scarlet Witch do is, like, they call everyone together and, like, all right, what's going on? Quicksilver's like, okay, what's this? Why, why have you summoned us? Okay, we, we're going to fix the mansion. We'll figure out how to do it. We'll be real quick. It's like, they're like, why don't we just have to have Johnny Storm pay for it. Like, we're not going to have anyone, any billionaire pay for this. Okay? That doesn't work out for us in the past. So, they go and they summon the minions of Sidorak. who look like cute little miniature juggernauts. Super. Yeah. They show up, and, you know, a couple like, oh, they're so cute. You know, Synapse's like, oh, they're cute. And Quicksilver's like, whoa, whoa, magic? Nope. Nope. This is a bad <laughs> idea. Anytime for you magic, it just screws you. Magic is screwed. Red flag. He's Red like, flag. He's like, you know, Wanda, my sister... Magic has boned us our entire lives. Our entire lives! <laughs> this is bad. Like, no, you don't understand. This is great. When nope, the minions nope, of Sidorak crave order. And when they see disorder like a broken building, they fix it and make it stronger than ever. So, hey, this is great. They're going to be happy doing this. And then the last panel is, you know, Quicksilver saying, you know what? Well, let's get the exact quote. Just so I could get... The... He said, the exact quote is... Um... I said, why Why should I? If sorcery has brought nothing to my life but frustration and pain, would that I could go and rid the world of it to save all of you from its thrall, my sister. And then Sam's like, uh, you're, you're on quite a tear, Pietro. Hey, mark my words, Emily. Magic sucks. And that's when Juggernaut is jumping them as magic sucks. Nice. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he's right <laughs> about that. But I enjoyed the issue because... It's a literally a rebuilding issue. They've just yeah. gone through all yeah. kinds of hell. Mansion's been blown up. Uh, 
America just went through the horrible, awful Dick Spencer travesty that was Captain Secret. Hydra. Captain Hydra, yeah. Secret Empire. <sighs> There's all that crap. And they're literally rebuilding the mansion, rebuilding their lives. Friendships are getting rebuilt. And, and so it's a great issue and all that. And then it ends with like the big dramatic juggernaut's coming. And I, Juggernaut's been through the ringer a bit, but I still like him as a bad guy. So, uh, yeah, all in all, really enjoyed the issue. I thought the art was solid. Great use of color, great use of perspectives. Um, Sean Isaacs, I wasn't too sure about him when he first jumped on the comic, but I've really enjoyed him. He's been really solid. Uh, I am actually going to give this four stars. I liked it four stars worth. Great comic. Really enjoyed it. Let's go to our next book. Don't ding at me. I ding at you. The Amazing Spider-Man. Number, renew Your Vows. Number 28. Or number 12. Man. Yeah, number 12. I did it too. How did I do that? I'm looking yeah, at the book. Yeah, you did it too. Oh, that, that's why I just I copied and pasted from you. That could be. So that's I'm dumb. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, written by Ryan Stegman. Art by Brian Level. Colors by Jesus Abertov. And cover by Stegman Abertov. This is the mushroom in the middle of my burger. Ugh. I've really enjoyed this series. Up until what? this issue. Really? And the, oh, you, the, had nothing, you had nothing but good things to say about I have. your vows. I have. The writing's been great. And the writing's still good in this issue. What happened is they changed artists. Oh. And Mr. Level here... Um, I'm, uh, let's see. Clever saying about needs to get things on the level. He is terrible. <laughs> okay, we missed the mark on that one. But, but you, you got your point across. <laughs> Um, his drawings are amateurish in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the way he frames scenes doesn't really work. Uh, some panels are great, and others are just messes. Um, it's like he's really good at doing a key panel, and then everything around it looks like crap. Um, mm. like that, the very last panel, which is supposed to be the dramatic end, because this is kind of like the wrap I don't know if the whole series is over which it might be, or if this is just a wrap of the story arc, because the story ends, and then it says, you know, eight years later, and it, and it shows uh, uh, their daughter May getting her... Uh, no, it's not May. Anyway, they show her daughter gets... Uh, what, yeah, Annie Mae Parker. I was right. Getting her new uh, spinneret costume, her new Spider-Kid costume, because she's an adult now. And... It's just a mess. And look at that. Is that dramatic? Is that awesome? No. That's a mess. Wait, wait. What, what about uh, Venom Gwen? Venom Gwen is a whole different series. You mean uh, oh, Venom uh, MJ? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Venom MJ. Yeah. Oh, she gets rid of that in this issue. Oh, okay, good. All right. So when we last left the, the hero team, MJ had gone back to the person who gave her the symbiote saying, you better get this freaking thing off me. Um, yeah, that's Osborne's mom or something? Yeah, it's Normie Osborne's mom. Uh, little Normie. Little Normie's mom. Uh, little Normie had been taking small doses of goblin venom to make himself smarter. It also made him evil. Sure. Um, and, he was obs- and he was obsessed with killing Spider-Man because he blamed him for his father's death. Um, mm. But... Same old. Uh, and part of that was he captured Spider-Man's daughter, who and they're the same age... And she actually managed to talk him out of using his giant green goblin robot to kill Spider-Man and destroy the city. She actually talked him out of it. 
you know, with it was kind of one of those a little saffy, but I thought it worked. One of those, you know, like I don't have any friends. It's like you have me. And he's like actually kind of realized like, you know, I maybe if I wasn't obsessed with killing Spider Man I could actually have a friend. And he's like yeah, thinks yeah. she's cute, so he kinda of, you know, you know. So yeah. he actually, you know, you know, maybe this was a little off. And then his assistant says, No, I won't let you fail and like clocks him with a chair, knocks him out, jumps in the giant goblin robot and takes off. Jesus. <laughs> so she's gonna make sure he, his plan still succeeds. Cause she's nuts. Um, but she's dedicated. She's definitely earning that bonus. Yeah, um, fair. But through the story, uh, Spider-Man's just trying to like survive getting attacked. The uh, attacked the, by whom? Yeah, uh, by the giant green goblin robot. Oh, right, giant goblin. Uh, the X-Men show up. Like, ah, look, we're the X-Men. I'm Wolverine. Grr, snick, snick, bub, bub. We'll help you fight this thing. It's like, great, the X-Men. Yay! And then Iceman shoots it. And the thing then starts shooting ice at people. He's like, wait, it's shooting ice. Oh, hell, it has regent tech. It's absorbing your powers and using them. Run away, X-Men, immediately. No, you're insane. I am Cyclops. I will shoot with eye blast. Don't shoot with eye blast. Oh, it shot me back. Yes, it shot you back. Now listen to me again. This is Spider-Man talking to X-Men. Do not use your powers on it. You'll make it unstoppable. What's that, Spider-Man? It's me, Jean Grey. I'm too busy using my mental powers on it. No, don't use your... <laughs> oh, you got blasted mental powers. What a why, surprise. Why, okay. do they always, why do they always have the X-Men in, uh, visit other people's books and just piss all over <laughs> this I don't whole, understand. I just find this falsely hilarious. Like, the X-Men aren't that dumb. And then it's like, okay, Wolverine. We the just only saw what guy happened. Who couldn't absorb the power Don't, because you're. If it gets your Healy factor, we're all screwed. So let's all walk away. It, it hurt go. my wife, Jean. Grr. Oh, damn it. Because <laughs> in this in this continuity, he's married to Jean Grey. Okay. Um, so he immediately jumps on the thing. Grr. Snick, snick, bub, bub. Oh, great. Now I can regenerate with your healing factor. You can regenerate from a single cell with your healing factor or a drop of blood. So thanks for that. Uh, after, so they get beaten up and like, oh, maybe we should retreat. Yeah, maybe you should. Thanks. A little late now. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks, X-Men. That was that was super. Uh, next time while you're at it, why don't you expose my secret identity while kicking me in the nuts? That'd be another helpful thing you could do. <laughs> uh, why don't you just open the doors up for the most of the local super prison? Um, but while that's going on, uh, MJ's you know going to doors like, you will get this thing off of me. She's like, ah. I don't know how I just I wasn't thinking right I'm trying to protect my son I'm sorry I'm so sorry he's like and meanwhile because she's losing control things like I was like this thing will kill you and I can't stop it it's like uh there might be a way oh good now there might be a way um but it's in it's in Normie's office we got to go like all right good let's go right now so they start swinging across town um across town and yeah, what, what's, the, what's the thing that stop it well eventually they get they get to normie's office and the anime is like mom what the hell's going on with your suit we'll talk about it later don't worry about it it's getting fixed and like oh no what happened he's getting up like oh she hit me with a chair like yeah yeah what happened uh built this giant green goblin robot i was gonna destroy this kill spider-man for the city then i thought better of it well then if you're not in the robot who is ah it's my assistant she's crazy and they're like, get back. She's like, no, no, I will not go back there. Rawr. And like, well, it, oh, look, it's absorbed all these powers. Then he goes to the computer, starts checking up on it. Oh, it absorbed all these powers. Uh, you're screwed. They're like, you're fix it. He's like, okay, okay. 
He's, he's just freaking out. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And, you know, Spinnerette, like, puts his hand on his shoulder. He's like, you can do this. I believe in you. You're, you're the smartest kid here. You're the smartest person in this room. Yeah, definitely. You could fix this. I know you can. Because my my father said you're one of the smartest kids he ever met, and you can fix this. And if my dad said you could do it, you can. He's kind of like, well, crap. All right. So he starts thinking about it. It's like, okay, if we destroy the main power source, you could do it. But you have to be able to go in. And basically, like, he contacts Spider-Man with the radio and says, okay, here's what you got to do. But he can't do it. So they have to – because he's busy getting beaten up. So they end up sending Spinneret, uh, Annie Mae Parker. So she goes in, goes through the back door while Spider-Man distracts it. Uh, meanwhile, Wait, is, is the back door actually in its butt? No, it's what? not. It's in oh, it's okay. in like the back of its hat. Oh, okay. Got it. uh, but during this time, um, Spider-Man and MJ get blasted with the power stealing ray, so he loses all his spider powers. But it also knocks Venom off of MJ. Nice. Because blah, just it's goo. It's has no powers. It's dead essentially. Hmm. So hey, it has Venom powers now, which is bad. But no more Venom on MJ. Good. By that point, Peter Parker's like, I have no powers. I have no powers. We can't save you. I can't help you. And, uh, but Spinner goes in, destroys the power source, and ends up killing the assistant because she refuses to eject her and be smart because she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Sure. So in the end, they like have to do rehabilitation for Spider to get his powers back. Normie has become a good person. The mom is sorry. They're going to like be a better family. Because that was probably why he was crazy, because she was always doing something else, trying to protect him without being there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, then it goes to the eight years later, and you see them like, oh boy, my my first new costume, yay! And they go off. It says the it end. It does sound like the end of the it series. It does yeah. sound like the end of the series, which it might be. Uh, and I'd be okay with that. I've enjoyed the series, but Spider-Man has too many books. Yeah. But I've, if you want to get rid of one, probably a different one would have been better. Yeah, well, Amazing is finally getting decent again, but it's not still not great. Uh, th- that writer needs to change. But I enjoyed this book. The art I thought was terrible. It deserved a much better artist. Mm. Especially, like, change to the art stat the last two issues has not been cool. And that's one of the things that tells me it's ending. I haven't researched it, but I'm pretty sure it's ending. When you start seeing artists swap out a lot in a row, yeah, it's probably ending. But I was surprised it even got its own series in the first place. Um, so I liked the story. I liked how it wrapped up. A little sappy, maybe, but if you're tying up all the end, loose ends, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, I mean, but that this, this, this was the the best timeline for Peter Parker. I mean, yes, this is the, yes, certainly was. The, all the roses were in this timeline and not in any of the others. Yeah, pretty much. Well, there was the timeline where he kept the power cosmic and became the protector of the Earth, and everyone loved and adored him. That one's better. I don't know. Yeah, then you got to run with the power cosmic all the time. Yeah, but still. Your well, no, no, I, I thought it was the unit power, not the power. Yeah, the power. unit power. I'm sorry, the, the unit, unit power. power. Yeah, because he was Captain Universe or whatever they call him. Yeah, I liked it when Aunt May got the power cosmic, though. You ever see that one? No. What if Aunt May got the power cosmic? You okay? So my, my first, ugh. Oh, I hit my knee. I'm well, okay, though. You know when Norrin Rad got the power cosmic, he became the Silver Surfer? Yes. Aunt May became the Golden Oldie. You're kidding me. Not kidding. Okay, next. <laughs> Pass. So, Pass anyway, it. The Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows number 12, probably the final issue. 
I want to give it a higher rating, but the art sucks. It really does. Ballard, was she a record? No, she was not a record, but she was gold. And she was old. She was old. <laughs> um, gonna give it three stars because I thought the story was strong. It was a nice wrap up. Emotionally, it worked, but if it was uh, just the art. Three and a half probably is a better deal. I mean, I don't. Well, also, it was really kind of rushed. It felt a little rushed. Uh, that's possible, yeah. So I'll give it three. Okay. But for the whole series, I'd recommend actually getting. When they do a trade of the whole series, I would I'd recommend picking it up. It was highly entertaining. Yes. All right. That's enough of you. Next up, Batman White Knight number one. Rawr, Batman, he's so dark. I'm freaking Batman. Look at me. I got no neck. I don't need it. <laughs> All right. You're probably saying this cover looks kind of strange. It does. It does. Uh, Batman White Knight number one was written by Sean Murphy. Art by Sean Murphy. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. And the cover is by Murphy and Hollingsworth. Uh, this particular cover has no color, but other ones do, I assure you. Okay. All right. Here is your premise. Batman right has gone off the rails. He's become so obsessed with fighting crime, he's endangering the public. Sweet. Um, kind of an alternate... It's definitely an alternate reality. You know, one of those alternate Batman stories they love doing. Sure. The Joker, uh, who actually is named uh, Jack Napier in this story. Usually Joker doesn't really have a name. Jack Napier's just an alias. They're sure his name's Jack Napier in this series. Okay. Um, it starts off with Batman chasing Joker through the city. Batgirl is in the passenger seat of the Batmobile. Batman's shooting guns. Try- the Joker has a Batman t-shirt on and a pair of suspenders. He has a Razor scooter. It doesn't say Razor on it, but it's, you know, one of those type of scooters. Wheeling through Gotham, trying to get away from Batman, laughing the whole time. While Batman is trying to gun him down. Joker leaps off of uh, the overpass, runs across some buildings. Batman just takes the Batmobile across the tops of these people's houses. And Batgirl's like, I don't, I don't know if this is a good idea, Batman. I don't, I don't think those houses support a weight. And he's just like, Batman. Batman and going through, you know, he runs through construction site, almost runs people over. And, you know, fortunately Nightwing swings in on his motorcycle, like gets these construction workers out of the way as Batman just barrels through trying to catch the Joker. He's just obsessed. Well, they get to the place the Joker ran into which is a uh, pharmaceuticals plant. Batman knocks over the security guard who was just trying to say, Hey, Batman, he went that bam, knocks him over, runs in. The Gotham PD catches up. Uh, news people are there. And Batman finally catches Joker. And Joker's like, ah, ha, ha, Batsy, you caught me. Hey, you know what? I've been trying to help you this whole time. You're gone a little off the rails. But I tell you what, I surrender. You know, the cops are there. And you see someone in the background with a cell phone, like, recording it. He's like, sure, I surrender. And uh, Batman, being a, a more than a little off the rails, um, kills him. Well, well, first they show up and says, "Hey, you know, I watched this series a couple, and right now we're with a rough spot. And like any couple, we have to fight." And like attacks with an axe. Batman beats the snot out of him. Um, just keeps punching him over and over again. 
while the Joker says, you don't even know what I'm capable of, do you? You don't know what I understand what I'm doing for you or this city, do you? I'm beginning to feel a little underappreciated here as Batman just starts, knocks him down, holding, his, holding him by the throat on the ground, and the cops are, Batman, the cops show up. Nightwing and Batgirl show up. And, uh, Joker just keeps taunting him, like, you know, even Gordon's fed up watching his men turned into cannon fodder on the front lines of the war they didn't ask for because of you. It's all falling apart. And you're not even capable of stopping it. Admit it. Face it. The greatest villain in Gotham City is you. And Batman just starts punching the living crap out of him. Saying, stop talking. Everything goes red. Stop saying poignant things. Yeah, stop, stop making the point. Stop saying what's correct. And, you know, and Joker's like, you know what? See, I just showed up to surrender. I just tried and look, I'm trying to be a good person. That's why I came here to prove it to you. I'm just going to take these pills and they'd make me sane. See, see, and he like has like some psychotic medication. And I was going to finally show you that you need me. And I was like, fine, you want to get better? Open up, grabs the pills, like, shoves it, keeps shoving bottles of pills down Joker's throat until he passes out and can't even breathe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, and then, like, you know, Batgirl and Nightwing are like, because, uh, uh, you know, Batgirl's like, what do I do? And Nightwing's like, do what I did, leave. Then it switches to a talk show where it's kind of like with those daytime talk shows. And you got one guy who's like, you social justice warrior sissies, that we need the Batman. And the other person's like, uh, well, there's actually this footage of Batman going too far and causing hundreds of thousands of dollars of property damage and almost killing these people and knocking people over. And here's this footage of him. After Joker surrenders, uh, shoving pills down his throat till he chokes almost to death. Uh, that's bad. He's like, well, Joker's a menace. Yeah, but how much more a menace what's, is Batman? What's bad is Joker's still alive. Yeah, that's being, you know, which is a little much. But basically, they're making the point of, like, one guy saying, well, we need Batman to protect us from Joker. And the person's like, Joker isn't the real problem here. Joker was on a, on a freaking scooter. I mean, the most they've ever had him for is armed robbery. Batman has assault? Attempted murder, pro destruction of property. He's firing unlicensed firearms from tanks in the middle of the street. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, and then it turns out, and then it goes to Joker waking up in his cell. You know, after get go get through. The cops are talking, and. Their lawyer comes up to them. They're like, well, Napier's going to make it. They're like, oh, thank God, maybe. He... And the commissioner, the uh, guy above the police commissioner, the mayor or something's like, oh, thank God, maybe he won't sue us then. It's like, well, we got a problem. Um, he's, He was always smart, but we don't know those pills did to him. He seems dead sane now. He's passing every psychological test. But the problem is he's also showing an above genius level IQ now. We don't know if it was there before, but hidden. But he's just... Asked for access to a whole bunch of legal books. Um, he plans to sue Batman and the city and the police department. And uh, judging by the case he's building that we've seen, he's going to win. <laughs> and they were like, "What? You can't! No, no, you got to stop him!" Can't, and they're like, "Can't we? Can't we say he's he's a danger to himself or others and and get him get all the paper out of there because he can paper cut himself to death?" They're like, "He's never been a threat to himself. There's no, we can't do it." It's, and everything he's getting is public record. We can't legally stop him. And so he actually, well, he can't legally stop him. And then Joker ends up presenting this case, you know, 
that involves, you know, the GC, the Gotham City Police Department are in cahoots with Batman. And they're like, he's not have ever been officially a part of you. He's not, we disavow his actions. Like, really? You've never arrested him. You've seen, seen talking to him. On this video, you are speaking with him as an equal. You have a bat signal on top of the police headquarters. Yeah, that, that one's kind of indefensible. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, crap. Um, while that's going on, you know, Nightwing and Batgirl are like, okay, what the hell's wrong with you? You've always been a little on the edge of this too much. They takes him down to this hidden hospital where Alfred is sick and dying. He's like, I, I just thought I could fix this before. And it's like, that's no reason to go off the rails. Okay, you're sad. Well, his stand-in mommy and daddy's dying. Yes, but I get it. that doesn't mean you get to murder people with pills. Well, no, it doesn't mean you get to murder people, but wanting to murder someone, I understand. Right. But, but what's funny is, but Joker, while still in jail, is telling them how he's going to sue them and all the case he has against them. And, and part of what he says is to, uh, to Commissioner Gordon, you know, Gordon's like, you know, you know, Batman isn't GCPD. Well, of course he is, even if he won't admit it. Proof has been right in front of our heads the entire time. The bat signal kept under GCPD supervision. I found photos of it. That makes you that makes you an accessory to everything he's done. And Harvey Bullock actually says, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and then Joker, well, Jack Napier is calling himself now. I love Gotham. As time I paid her back the debt I owed by the Joker. The city deserves better than the Joker and better than the Dark Knight. So I'm going to give her a White Knight. So basically, you have a sane... I don't know well, if he... sane as long as the pills last. Who knows maybe he might all be an act. But I think that, like I said, this alternate world where Batman's just gone too far, he's been pushed too far, and he's not considering collateral damage. He's actually the problem. He's perpetuating the gang wars throughout Gotham, perhaps for his own ego. Who knows? But because he's, his inability to stop it and his hindering the police from stopping it through his actions causes a perpetual gang war. Mm. And Joker can see it. But he's like, if, you, if he can't stop it and you won't stop him, I guess I'll do it. Uh, so the previews kind of make it look like he's going to be like an anti-Batman, essentially. I don't know. But it sounds like if someone said the premise of Joker becomes the Batman because the Batman's gone too far, I would have said, that sounds really dumb. He's the Joker. But the way this was presented, um, I really buy it. I liked it. Um, Sean Murphy, who's the writer and artist, you could tell he's linking the art to the writing so strongly. Um, he's always drawing a parallel between Joker and Batman. Like, any time they're on a page together, Batman's always on the left, Joker's always on the right. And they're always shown in, like, a good, bad sort of light. Batman's always shown bad, Joker's always shown good. Even in the initial scenes... Joker has kind of almost uh, an angelic look as he's smiling and going through the streets, even wearing a Batman T-shirt. While Batman always has a sunken, sullen, angry, you know, violent look to him. This isn't the normal Joker of the normal continuity. Let's remember that. Sure. This guy actually has a past. He's Jack Napier. He came to the city to become a stand-up comedian, realized he wasn't any good at it. And he figured, well, if Gotham can't love him, it might as well hate him. Because love and hate are just a line apart. They're the same thing. And you know, he has his own little issues going on with that, which he says he's over. So this could actually be a really... This first issue really grabbed me. I thought it was very interesting. And this could either turn into something great or it could be crap. The art has a very liney... Um, it's a very dark style to it. Um, it's a very rough 
but that fits the rawness of the story. And I've said a million times, a comic book is a visual story medium. The art has to match the story, the tone, the writing. Right. When, you, when you have the art and the story together, it makes magic. It's greater than the sum of its parts. And this book pulls that off. So I really do like this first issue. I thought I wouldn't. So I was happily surprised. Um, it's a li- It's not super intellectual, but it does make you think. It does I'll pose those questions. And so I am going to offer a big four and a half for Batman nice. White Knight. Almost five stars. It could have been a little better. Um, like I said, the art is not super realistic, perfect comic art, but it matches the story so well. I loved what it did. Got it. Um, so yeah, very, very highly recommended. Pick it up now before it becomes a collector's item. In less than three issues, it sucks and no one likes it anymore. And uh, then get it for a dollar. <laughs> Hard to know which one it's going to be. Hard to know at this point. A lot of things start out strong and go to crap. But right now, big fan, Batman White Knight. If you want more Garthon, you can check out Garthon's comic poll and my team-ups with that heathen dog cat uh, on YouTube. Elizabeth, look at YouTube. You can also check my streams of the Banner Saga on Sunday night or on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Pastures of Final Fantasy XIV on Twitch, and that is what it is. It is. All right. Got a little more. Got some RNG. More. We're running late. We're going to be quick. Going to be quick. Quick it. Quick it. Heathen dog and I both actually managed to watch a movie. It's amazing. That's in the theater. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. In the the essence of full disclosure, uh, Heathen Dog, did you like the original Blade Runner film? I did. Um, As for me... Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I liked it. I didn't love it. All right? I liked it. Blade Runner is one of my top three favorite films. I'm not sure where it falls in there. It might be number one. My daughter is named Rachel. Mm. That's how much I love Blade Runner. I got you. All right. So, let's talk about this film. Um, Blade Runner 2049 is a indirect sequel, but it is a sequel. It's not like, oh, after this happened, this directly happened. A lot goes on in between. Um, stars Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Uh, who directs this thing? I should look that up. You should. Uh, what was your opinion of the film, Heathen Dog? Okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but uh, my my opinion of the film was that it had it had good pacing. That the that was that was my problem. My one of my only problems with the original Blade Runner. It seemed at times super slow. The really? pacing was real slow at times. Wow, I never got that. Yeah, just at times. I mean, there there and then there were there was uh there was like super fast, you know, like go through so much plot, like like chew through it, like super fast, and then you're back to the slow plotting part. All right, it and was then you're dr- back to chewing through plot. But this one has an even pace throughout the entire thing. It, there's no slow part. There's no super fast part. It's all evenly paced. So, uh, you 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 never you never look at your watch, saying, oh God. Why is this taking so long? And and you're never going. Oh my God, th- this this can't be. You know, I, I had. Yeah. Oh my God, I've been here two hours. I don't. I didn't feel that at all. You know, it's it's a the happy middle where yes, you 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 feel the real passage of time. Nothing's too fast. Nothing's too slow. It's very well paced. I liked it. Well, it's a lot like uh, Siskel and Ebert used to say, a good movie's never too long. Wait, sorry. A good yeah, a good movie's never too long, and a bad movie is never too short. 
So this one was just right. Yeah. So it didn't overstay its welcome. It is a long film, but they are talking a lot of heavy concepts going on. It's true. Uh, yes. They do a great job building characters throughout. Um, it was directed by Dennis uh, Villeneuve, uh, written by Hampton Fancher, uh, screenplay by Michael Green, and uh, da, da, da. and it's based on Philip K. Dick's uh, yeah, Do Anastry of Electric Sheep. All right, cool. The uh, this movie is dense with yes. imagery, with symbolism, yes. uh, with how characters play off each other. It also does not have a complete everything tied up in a little bow ending, much like the original Blade Runner film. Yes. The original Blade Runner film is now required viewing in most film schools because of the way it's cut, the way it's directed, the way the scenes move, the way they're lit, um, the way the characters interact. It's a brilliant film. This film, I don't know if it's going to reach that. It feels like the first film, which is amazing. They captured the feel while still updating its look. Right, right. I mean, uh, I, did, I, I, can, I can say this without spoiling anything. If you want someone to say a whole lot of words and at the same time say nothing at all and be super creepy doing it, Jared Leto is your dude. Yeah, Jared Leto is the head of the Whalen. Was it Whalen? Yeah. Yeah. The Whalen Corporation, who took over for the Tyrell Corporation for their first film, Making Replicants. He, all, everyone knocks it out of the park in this film. Well, maybe not the one-eyed chick. I thought she was weird. I didn't really mm. dig her. But all the main cast freaking knock it out of the park. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, Jared Leto. Uh, who plays the hologram? Oh, man. Oh God! I even I even looked up her name because I Me wanted too. I wanted to know what else she was in. Uh, but the big picture is right. uh, is the holographic girlfriend of Ryan Gosling's Blade yes. Runner K, who Super is winner. a replicant. Super winner. And I mean, uh, she is fantastic. Ryan Gosling, I've think. always kind of thought of as a joke as an actor. It's like oh whatever. He yeah. freaking is amazing. I mean, yeah. I thought he was great because he slowly throughout the film gains emotion. When you first see him, he just kind of stares almost blankly. He just does his job. He's like, yeah, like ev- everything in his life is just matter of fact. Yeah, everything's matter of fact, kind of pointless. The only time he shows any emotion is when he gets home to his holographic his AI, girlfriend. His AI holographic girlfriend. Right. Which, which is, which he actually said, it is kind of funny that uh, that he is a replicant, which is technically uh, more human than the AI hologram girlfriend, but the AI hologram girlfriend has a more uh, rounded and and a more uh, human emotion set. Yeah, more more human emotion set than he does. Yep. Uh, Bowder says, "Don't trust Garth, and he's a fanboy. I am a fanboy. But like all fanboys, when you bring me a sequel to something I love, I will tear it like a dog oh, if I don't like will, it. He'll he'll just destroy it if it's not good enough. And this one he's not destroying. So no, I was very. I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised. I the critical reviews are very high. And I can see why. But the box office is very low. And I can see why. Yeah. Um, this is a long film. It goes through a lot of plot. It takes you in one direction, then goes another. And if you're not there for that big turn, if you're like, wait, what happened? You're going to get lost. But that's it's not like when it's, oh, no, not just film. It's like you'll wonder why they even bother. Sometimes you'll wonder why they even bother building the story when that's not the real story. But it is part of the real story. You had to understand that. You had to get that emotional attachment. Um, yeah, and uh, you know what else? Uh, Robin Wright is dying a lot in recent years. 
Yeah, she is. Robin, she Robin, dies a lot. She was a uh, Robin Wright played the uh, police detect uh, police captain who Kay uh, Ryan Gosling's Blade Runner works for, and mm. she does a great job. As, she's a bitch, but she's a no nonsense. I want You're this right. done. Right. You aren't really human. You're a, a robot. I send out to do stuff. You right. know. But even then, there's like that part where she gets drunk, and you see her kind of like opening herself to hitting it's on like him. Cracking little little cracks in the facade. It's show like up. you know, I could yeah. get some right now. It's like, and then the way he answers, she's like, "Yeah, screw it, you're not worth it." You know, and that was a great, very human moment for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, she was good. Um, but like I said, I loved everyone in the film, just about. The the bleak future it paints feels realistic, but also far away. Um, when you oh, see, oh yeah, and the the, the uh, big change. Where well, th- this isn't a spoiler. I mean, you you learn this really really early on in the movie. But uh, uh, remember at at the end of the original Blade Runner, where where uh, Deckard and and Rachel, Rachel. are, or, yeah, are are leaving and they're 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 they left the city and they're going through a lush uh, well, countryside. In the director's oh. cut, you just see them kind of driving through a forested area. In yeah. the theatrical release version, there's actually a whole voiceover of we were able to escape and she had an incept date and we could live happily ever after. Right, right. But uh, the years later, there was apparently a nuclear holocaust type thing and outside the city is a barren dust bowl wasteland. Right. Apparently some sort of nuclear disaster happened on Las Vegas. So. And L.A. was near enough to that to like it's survived but there's like no life outside of yeah. it it's all like dust bowl all crap. yeah you know any farming is like protein grubs yeah yeah it's maggots basically yeah yeah so it uh batista was really good in the two i know right oh that was man awesome. i felt for that guy oh yeah, gosh uh, yeah uh, they, they really did a good job in uh in making replicants who were uh you know, yeah, the series eight replicants who yeah, had yeah, no the, incept date. Yeah, yeah, all, all the series eight replicants who had no who had no end date, uh, making them really, really like. Not, I don't want to say not likable, but understandable, no, not likeable, but relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you you have uh, an inadvertent emotional investment in them. Right. You, yeah. you kind of understand what they're going through. Yeah, dude, um, he just wants to live his life, bro. Let him go. You get introduced the idea pretty pretty fast that Deckard and Rachel had a child. Yes. And that's supposed to be impossible. Replicants can't reproduce. And Jared Leto's uh, Wayland character is obsessed with replicant reproduction because he can't make enough replicants to meet demand. But if they could breed, haha, then he can colonize the universe. His replicants can go out like like the angels of God to his perfect angels, he says, because he's nuts, and mm-hmm. populate Looney the universe. Tunes, yeah, yeah if, if, again, if, if you want to have someone be Looney Tunes in your movie... <laughs> Call, call Jared Leto. He, Jared Leto's way better in this part than he was as the Joker. Oh, way yeah. better. Um, thing is, totally different characters. Um, so, he, he's after Derek and Rachel's child. Rachel died in childbirth. He's after their child. And no one knows what happened to it because they hid the tracks really, really well. Um, and then there was the... the... Uh, but the also... The bomb went off. Yeah, that, that helped lose all the records Destroyed well. all electronic records. Yep. Yeah. But you got that fashion for it. You find out that the replicants are looking for her, or him, it, the child. They're looking for the kid so that the child could lead a revolution with them. 
to show that, look, replicants can have children. We are equal to people. We have thoughts. We have emotions. We have feelings. We deserve these rights. We are not slaves. Uh, the police and the government are looking for the child because they want it dead. They want any existence of it erased because they don't want anyone getting a hold of it to make more replicants that could breed or to start a revolution. It will be a right. war, and they don't want any of that. They don't even – you don't get the idea that, that any organization exactly knows what the other groups are doing, but they don't need to. They're in, they're mo- their uh, reasoning is all their own, and they don't care about anyone else. They're all right. They're, they're all, all right. None of them the are morally time. right necessarily, except maybe no, the replicants. No, no, no. They're, they're all right in that, you know, this this uh, this uh, uh, replicant child will do this in their, in, their, in their heads. They're right. Yes, it will do that. But – they're all wrong in morally, like, using her or killing her. Those aren't the only two options. There's another option that you can navigate around all the bad stuff that you're that you're thinking, but none of them actually come to that conclusion. Yep. And also, Wayland is obsessed with Tyrell and how he perfected the replicants in a way he couldn't. Tyrell was able to make replicants that could breed. And at one point, he's actually talked with Deckard, and he talks around the idea that maybe he was created as a replicant or maybe not you know he doesn't have an answer but he actually does a brilliant way of speaking around the idea yes. which kind of yes. goes back to the idea that for the original film that deckard was a replicant because who else could handle fighting other replicants right and uh, again uh, throughout the throughout their entire first movie you don't know and they did not clarify that at all in this one either they nope. just danced around they it again. Did, they played with the idea wayland might not even know or he might have been screwed with deckard's maybe deckard's had thoughts of maybe i'm a replicant um, and part of that is in the show in the director's cut, the unicorn dream that he has. Um, and that relates back to, in the film, they talk about giving replicants memories. Mm-hmm. And that kind of relates to me- that daydream is supposed like is a memory of a unicorn, which is impossible. So it must be an implanted memory. And it's hinted that, uh, the other detective on the force played by Edward James almost knows that he's a replicant or possibly one and that's why he leaves an origami unicorn outside of his apartment because he knows about that implanted memory the only way he would know about that memory is if other replicants have it mm-hmm. um and it was neat seeing edward James almost like in the retirement home being interviewed you know and still doing the little grommy stuff i thought that was neat. it was a small scene but i liked it it was good yeah. um but in this film ryan gosling's k has a memory involving being an orphan because they're given implanted memories so they can adjust to society better of having a wooden horse that he's having to hide from these other kids in an orphanage when beating him up. I uh, got an image of the horse here. The horse, if you look at it, it looks like there's a bump on his head, which in my opinion is where a unicorn horn probably got broken off at some point. It's a little bump. I th- so I think that that's supposed to be drawing a correlation back to the unicorn from the first movie from the director's cut. Mm. Um, so I think that that's another strong idea that like, look, there's still that replicant strain possibly there, or maybe it's real in this case. So that's something they play with. Like, what is reality? What are your, you are your memories. Are they real? And it, it plays a really interesting story with that. Uh, another thing I loved about the film is like a lot of my other favorite films, like, Casablanca, Maltese Falcon. It ends 
by wrapping up the main story, but there's all these side things that happen which are left unresolved. Right, right. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't have everything be tied up in a little bow. You know, right. all, all that other stuff that was happening in the background is still going on unresolved after the movie stops. Right. It's I not mean, like you're you watching yeah. the Ghost in the Shell film, Ugh, where at the end of it, the bad guys are punished, uh, Scarlett Johansson is free and gets to live with her Japanese mom, and everyone's happy forever. Yay! None of that right. crap. No, no. In, in this movie, that whole... Uh, is there going to be a replicant war? Is there not going to be a replicant war? None of that is decided. That is all still ongoing. You know, the, 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 that is all could happen, could not happen. You don't know. It's still in the air. Yep. They, they, left a, they left the ability for another movie to come in and maybe there's going to be a replicant messiah type movie like you know Terminator, John Connor. Type uh, I don't thing. think I they don't would know. go that way. If they make another film, it would be like Blade Runner 2067. And it'll be like 20 years from now. And that film will be about something else entirely. All that will be in the um, past. No, no. You, ha- you have a lot of faith in movie makers. I don't. I only do in this case because of how controlling they have been to the Blade Runner franchise. Um, and this movie wraps up the storyline, well, the main storyline of Blade Runner K. Mm, yes. His story gets wrapped up one way or another. But everything else is still going on. What's up with Deckard? What's up with uh, the child? What's up with what happens? What's up with the Whaling Corporation? All this stuff is still going on. And that lets you dream. That lets the world feel real. And it's just amazing how they pull it off. Um, also, are things I want to mention, because we are very long. Harrison Ford jumped at the chance to be in this film. Yeah, and he hates Star Wars. <laughs> Right, I, he was in. It's kind of like if you're drawing some parallels. I was kind of doing talk with Heathen Dog before we recorded. A couple, that let's look at two films that are both sequels to beloved classics: Blade Runner and Star Wars. The new Star Wars film mimicked the plot of A New Hope, but made everything bigger and dangerous, and it had Harrison Ford. Um, Blade Runner 2049 did not made a sequel and they did not make everything bigger they had a much bigger budget but they didn't feel the need to make giant explosions or giant robots or they could have they didn't they kept true to the themes of the film without having to go bigger and better a lot of it's actually smaller scale he goes to a lot more places but the stakes are actually kind and sometimes smaller Mm. like it feels smaller in some ways but more expansive um Harrison Ford always thought uh, Han Solo was a two-dimensional character. He didn't want to play the character again. He only agreed to do it for a giant truckload of money and the guarantee Han Solo dies. Yeah. Because that that put a smile beep, on his beep, face. Right here, the money right here. All it, the money. Yeah, it put a smile yeah. on his face to have Han Solo die. He's like, ah, screw you, fanboys. But Decker doesn't die at the end of this film. I'll tell you that. It's a spoiler. He doesn't die. Because he doesn't want him dead. <laughs> he wants Decker to be alive. Um, Deckard is a very complex character. He's still a complex character in this film. He has a lot going on. He's yes. still fighting his internal demons. He's paying for what happened. Um, yeah, you know what? I, actually, I thought that uh, uh, seeing him play Deckard again, being so old, was going to suck. Yeah. I really, I really did think so. But it didn't. I mean, it well, wasn't... It wasn't perfect, but it was good. The first minute that he was on screen as Decker, I was like, wow, he looks old and shaky. Uh, 
But then after a few minutes of acting, I bought it. Yep. It's like, oh, that is his condition right now. Yes. This actually makes perfect sense. Um, so that it, and you could tell he brought his acting a game. Mm. You know. Yeah, all, all all those plane crashes didn't hurt him in the brain <laughs> too much. Yeah, yeah, too much. So. Like I said, there, there are a ton of plot going on in this film. Yeah. It, we should stop. We should stop because we're going to start spoiling more than yeah, we already we have. Are. Stop it. Well, I just I want to say the film is 163 minutes long. If you need a pee break, I went during the love scene. It's not a full on I make you rated our movie so I have to show people grinding love scene. That You don't get that. You don't get that. Okay? There's nudity. But you don't get that. Yeah. So, but... As I could tell, it was going towards, oh, we're, all right, I don't need to see. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Real, real quick, came back, and, uh, hey, it was very short, and they were, were almost done. Yeah, but the uh, the film really uses that time well. It's not doing great in the box office. And What's also, that? the original Blade Runner did not do great in the box office. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, it's a film you have to think while you're watching it. I mean, after the film ended, I sat in the theater through the whole credits thinking about what I just saw. What did it mean? You know, that's and what it did to me. me. Yeah, yeah, then I called him, and he didn't, he didn't answer the phone. But well, when he called I me back... I was having dinner. <laughs> yeah, he was calling dinner. But he's eating dinner. But when he called me back, I'm like, oh my god! Oh my god! And he's like, dude, calm down. No, no, you must understand. I couldn't, you know. I needed someone to, smart to talk to. I couldn't you know, talk to anyone. They'd be like, what? I don't... That movie was dumb. I saw the first one. It was dumb. It dumb, dumb. It wasn't dumb. Yeah, I know. I actually know someone who walked out of this movie because this, movie. this one, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, because he was expecting an action film. And he and he said, "I had to think too damn much, and I want an action film." I was out. You wait. You called this person a friend? No, I just know him. Oh, all right. Okay. okay. What is this good thing happening in sci-fi movie making? Duncan Idle Eleven says yes. This is this is the best sci-fi film I've seen in freaking years. I didn't see Passengers. I heard that was good, but well, hang on, hang on. Passengers get a little creepy, but there there is a version of Passengers that a fan made by splicing around to to make Chris Pratt the uh, evil. Oh, and it's much better. Huh. Interesting. It's cooler. But. This is a complex film. It takes a lot of thought. You can't just sit back and go, yeah, explosions. I love Michael Bay. <laughs> you show him off to me. You got a sword now. That, no. You have to think actively in this film about what's going on. And if you're willing to take... It's kind of like... This is the, almost the film version of a novel. You can't just sit back and have a novel happen to you. You have to actively participate in reading it. And this film, you have to actually participate in watching it. Yes. Yes, and if you, you do, there, there's no point in this film where you can breeze out. Right. You can't. Except the love scene. You can take a, take a quick leak there and that. Apparent. Well, you can't say that because you peed during it. You didn't actually watch it. Yeah, I was fine. I saw the important part where like they're doing the sinking and stuff. I saw yeah. that part. So I got the plot of why. So I, you know, and it was real quick. And I went at it like right after work on a Friday, the week after it came out. And, and uh, so I had like half the theater to myself. You know, because I was sitting like near the, I see like dead center of the theater, like perfect center of screen, right? Right. And the only other people in the theater were like in the back row for some reason. That's where they wanted to sit. So it well, felt like. Yeah. 
Well, all all the younger people like to sit in the back row so they can, you know. These were older people, so I guess their old people were making out. Okay. Um, cool. but I had the theater to myself. It felt like it was awesome. Which also made me get a little sad because like more people should be watching this film. This well, film is it, too good for these people. Uh, it, it it wasn't the prime viewing period, so. Uh... Yeah, it wasn't prime viewing either. But still, it really was. Oh. No, it was. <laughs> I don't think it was prime viewing time. Yeah. Right after work, you know, like five o'clock on a Friday. Nah, probably no, not. No, no, no. It's, no. It's you know around dinner time. Is yeah, the prime it's dinner time, and also the weather sucked, so people weren't going out. Fair. But uh, yeah. Uh, so I give it. I, I yeah, I give it five stars. What about you, Ethan Dog? Well, I'm not gonna give it five. You obviously. are giving it a five right there. Oh, That's from five. Three and a half or four. What? Definitely. Yes. Not yes, friends. Yes. Like, like I said, the original, <laughs> I liked it. I didn't love it. You love the original, and and, yeah. and this one uh, stood up to the original and said, "I am my own movie. That I'm also part of you, and yeah. you you respect that, and I get it, and I love it. But I liked the original. I liked this one. Both of them, to me, had problems, but their 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 problems were overshadowed by their successes. All right, so between three, the two of us, four and a half. Yeah, four. Four. That's all I'm sliding. That's all I'm sliding, four and a half. Okay. That's all I give you. You give it a four, I give it a five. That's all. That's it. I have the star button. Okay, you do have the star button. I'm sorry. You have the star power. Uh, Duncan Idaho 11 says, it sounds like this film is going to last more than so the current Star Wars. I think so. I think this will be a film people talk about for years, and new stars are like, wasn't it cool? Like, she was like, no, you'll release me. And Stormtrooper was like, oh, yeah, I'll release you. That was – and that guy, like, held and his – And that was Daniel blast. Craig, yo. Yo, yeah. it was James Bond, homie. I liked it when he held, like, the blast. Like, oh, and, was, and the whole theater was going, oh. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, don't, so. don't, don't bash on Star Wars too much. We'll, we'll lose even more viewership. Yeah. It's a pop, fun pop. I Okay, I apologize for what I said about Star Wars. Uh, I will now say something good about Star Wars. The, um. Star Wars is the best children's film franchise in the world. All right. Now, moving on. No one's mentioned midichlorians <laughs> yet in the new one. No one. No one. I don't think those will ever be mentioned again. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for watching. If you have any comments, please let us know. Uh, Doug Nice says fun to punch high. It is. Uh, so... You can also uh, check us out, hang out with us, be a part of the conversation, like Baldahar, Duncan Idaho, Pax Federatica, and others, uh, at twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Legion of Myth. Uh, look up Legion of Myth in the YouTubes. Uh, check out our Reddit page. Uh, check us out on facebook.com slash group slash Legion of Myth. You can tweet us at Legion of Myth. We're pretty active there. Uh, join our Discord channel. Message us through Facebook Messenger at Legion of Myth. Or join our Steam group at steamcommunity.com slash groups slash Legion of Myth. And the audio version of this is available through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play Music. Don't forget other contributors, the other Legionaries who bring you so much, uh, Max Leo and Nora Ryokus. Uh, Max Leo streams Tuesdays and Fridays at 1900 Central European time. That's about noon Eastern. Yep. Something like that. Currently doing Kings of Amalur Reckoning. That's actually been a lot of fun to watch. Upcoming is a Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta. Uh, he's already done well, one of those. Upcoming. He's actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, actually, he's actually done it quite a bit. And he he has fallen in love, fallen in love with the uh, with the uh, Republic. He <clears throat> loves the Republic and he hates the, 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 the Separatists. But 
you know what? That's his personality. He he likes order. He hates chaos, and everyone else is a damn rebel. And damn he rebel. doesn't like the damn rebels. Yep. So that was, that was pretty fun. And you can watch uh, everyone's favorite female Asian tanker, Nora Ryokus, stream Wednesdays at 1900 Central European. Uh, currently doing uh, options. Still, World yeah, of Tanks. No, no, still World of Tanks, yeah. Yep. She she hasn't found anything she really likes, except so, World of Tanks. And World of Tanks is good, and she's yeah. good at it, and she kills she things is. and mocks them. Yes. And we all appreciate that. We do. All right, if you want to support the Legion Myth, you can do it through a Twitch streaming, streaming subscription. I said streaming subscription. It's Halloween, ah! after all. <laughs> uh, Twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Uh, Patreon subscription at www.patreon.com slash Legion of Myth. You also, of course, could check us out through Streamlabs donation, streamlabs.com slash Legion of Myth, directly through PayPal, paypal.me slash Legion of Myth. Or get our gear and rep the Legion of Myth at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. So, Heed the Dog, any final words of wisdom? See Blade Runner, and uh, I want you to leave in the comments what you thought of it. I want to know what everyone thinks. I want to know. I personally love the movie experience of seeing it, but hey, wait for home video if you have to. Um, our top subscribers, Hicks206. Uh, from Daisy, Red Specs Gaming, the Twitch streamer. Uh, page, through Patreon, Hicks206, Sheris, Elgarian, with Arpiota. Uh, through Streamlabs, Baldahar, Urban Rommel, McCool's Harem, Magical Catgirl Fanboy, Special Fire, the Level 99 Catgirl Armor Lover, He the Dog, and through PayPal, Alan51. Thank you so much for your contributions. It's your love and support that keep us keeping on, my friends. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this evening. Hope you have a great time. Remember, you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great diurnal anomaly.